welcome to episode 120 of Tim Talk, the podcast about the DC animated universe, co-created by Bruce Tim. I am Chris Lord. I'm Cameron Dexter. 120. Yeah. That's crazy. That's way more than I thought we could do. I mean, I should have expected this given last week was 119. Yeah, but, but I was still. ready to quit after that one. <laughs> You hit your limit, and I, I drag you here. Yes, to you my are, own apartment. You are bound to your own chair in your own apartment. I broke in just to force you to do this podcast. Yes. Uh, but I'm glad we did, because we finally... I think I think because of how good this movie is, people forgive Batman Beyond a lot more I tend to, than they yeah. should. Because you have seen this before. Uh, yes. It's, I, I had remembered most of it. Okay. Yeah, because I, I, I feel like when I think back on Batman Begins, it's the concept that I love, it's mm-hmm. the design that I love, the characters that I love, it's this movie. Yes. A lot of those episodes are not great. Yeah, and it, it's really unfortunate that, that we have that problem because these characters are so good. Yeah, The character really design are. is, is like un, uh, not unbelievable. Like It is like the standard for what a good character and a good villain look like. like every character is unique you can tell from, it has its own silhouette yeah they all like kinda charlie have big own. dick charlie, charlie you just big, can't <laughs> can't miss him in a crowd yeah i mean he has a unique silhouette but <laughs> uh you don't want to see it outside of the silhouette <laughs> no like we are of course here to talk about return of the joker the yes. only batman beyond uh feature length film and for my money, a very close second behind Mask of the Phantasm. In terms I can of see why. The, the best of the DCAU movies. But, of course, before we get to it, we do have our customary news section. Yes. Uh, and so there was an interview recently with Matthew Vaughn, mm-hmm. who, of course, directs the Kingsman movies. He also directed X-Men First Class, which I maintain is the best of the X-Men movies. And he talked about what his original pitch was for that trilogy, because he did First Class which sets up like a whole new assembly of X-Men. Mm-hmm. And then we got Days of Future Past after that. And he was saying that his original pitch was that the second movie in that trilogy was going to be a young solo Wolverine movie starring Tom Hardy, someone who everyone has been wanting to see cast. Now I think that'd be a for great, a long a great time. casting. Yeah. Yeah. And then the third movie would have been Days of Future Past, bringing in Tom Hardy, bringing in McKellen and Stewart back into the folds and doing that whole thing. Mm-hmm. And I, I do really like... Days of Future Past. Um, For me, the biggest disappointment, though, is that it went straight back to the very kind of bland, severe Brian Singer aesthetic. Mm -hmm. Like, the great thing about uh, First Class is it's really fun. Yeah, it's so colorful, and it's so of the decade. Yeah. I feel like that's what they wanted to do with each of these films. It's like they they had attempts at kind of capturing the feel of each decade. Yeah. Because we had a 60s, 70s, 80s, and now 90s film. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. yeah, we'll see how that goes. Which we're all demanding. <laughs> um, and so, like, they did such a good job of just, like, not even just the look of the 60s, but, like, what everyone was worried about. Like, they they were able to easily tie in, you know, the world events at the time of, like, you know, mutants stopped the Cuban Missile Crisis. Yeah. Um, and then was it... Yeah, it was Days of Future's Past where they're like, oh, yeah, JFK was a mutant. That's why he was assassinated. Like, you can't just drop that as a footnote in a I know. movie like this. Well, and that was such a weird thing, too, because I remember in the promotional materials leading up to that movie, like, they created a whole Trask website with, like, a database on there you could, like, hack into or whatever. Mm-hmm. And in it, they alluded 
to JFK's assassination, but that um, the bullet had taken a weird course. Yeah, and because they say that in the movie that Magneto might have been the one that murdered um, JFK. Well, but then that wouldn't make sense if he was a mutant. Why would Magneto murder him? Mm, money. <laughs> yes. Magneto, the fiscally driven villain Marvel's always been asking for. Yeah. Not the idealist that we've known him to be. Um, but I don't I mean, I, I like that idea of that trilogy shaping out the way it did. And so they wouldn't even do Apocalypse. No, at least that wasn't part of the, the overall trilogy. Okay. Which, again, I, I liked It's a Future Past. I think it is a decent successor to first class, even if they just skip over what would have been the really fun part is watching the X-Men go up against the Brotherhood in the 60s. Mm-hmm. Like, the thing that we've always wanted and had the potential for and never got. And only have seen it in X-Men Evolution. Exactly. Oh, but it's so good, though. It's so good. It's so good. It holds up. So we could have gotten that. You know what the X-Men should be? Real teenagers. Yeah. 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 Exactly. With teenage problems. Yeah. Like acne and boys. <laughs> yeah. Like accidentally going through the uh, the floor to find, um, I know, who was it? Who does uh, Nightcrawler find in... It's not Cable. It's, it's Forge. The, Forge, thank you. Yeah. I always love Forge. I, I know, cool, it's such a good episode. I know, it's a great episode. Great character. Yeah. See, we should just watch that show. We should. Yeah, I know. <laughs> because it's it's um the former writers of BTOS did that show. Oh, <laughs> yeah, you're right. I forget which ones, but there was some creative overlap there. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a great fucking show. Yeah. The other thing we do want to talk about, of course, as we mentioned up top, is it seems like Robert Pattinson at this point has been confirmed to be the new Batman. Yes. Which I'm on board with. I'm I'm on board with. Yeah, I think it's great. We, we I'm, I'm still I'm still iffy on the whole Kristen Stewart Catwoman. <laughs> I think again, but the thing is, Kristen Stewart has made some really good choices mm-hmm. since Twilight. I think it would be have distracting. you seen the, um, it would be very distracting. Yeah. yeah. Um, one of my favorite things she's been in is when she was on SNL and did the um, Tostinos commercial I, with yeah, Kristen Wiig. A friend of mine showed me that recently. It's so good. Yeah, it's, it's so funny. It's really, really funny. But what about not? It's not Kristen Wiig. It's um. It's um, is it Kate McKinnon or is it Nicole Byers? I don't remember. Because I just remember that. Well, what about my hungry boys? Oh yeah. <laughs> if you guys haven't seen that, everyone go check that out. Cause it's, it's so funny. It's really, really funny. Oh, who's oh god? Who's the actress? Oh Vanessa Vanessa Byer. Yes. Yeah. 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 That's right. Yeah. Uh, no, it's pretty good. I, I look. I think this is a great choice actually in terms of who to bring in. We've talked about it at length a little bit before mm-hmm. of why he's a good choice. He's made solid choices in terms of movies he's done. He's an actually a really good actor. I think he's got the look down for it. Um, our, our concern is going back to a young Batman. It's yeah. Like we've done it already. It's the missed opportunity of exploring an older established Batman, mm-hmm. but well, yeah, yes. To have it done well, but you know, Matt Reeves is a good director. There was that that one photo someone composited together where it's an old, an old, a current aged um, Michael Keaton. Oh yeah, and it's it's a similar story to Batman Beyond, mm-hmm. but he he would still have the like the regular outfit and like the high tech outfit. Yeah, which I think that'd be awesome. Yeah, but I think that'd be even more confusing to introduce another new Batman. Ano- yeah, exactly. Look, I obviously I love Batman Beyond. So what we're here to talk about. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I think if you're to do that, I would still really, really want to see an Asian actor cast as Terry. Same. I yeah. think that'd just be a really good choice. As, as Terry and as Nightwing, I think. And oh, yeah. I think that'd be really good, too. If we ever get a Dick Grayson film. 
Because I remember the peak of the rumors was Steven Yoon. Oh, uh, yeah. He was brought up a few times. But I think now he's a little too old, unfortunately. Yeah, and I don't know what the deal is with that movie now. I wonder if both Batgirl and Nightwing are more or less scrapped. Probably. Because it won't tee up with this younger Batman. Mm-hmm. Which is, I don't know, again, mixed feelings about. So, mm-hmm. we'll but see. But again, put him in high school. Exactly. Put, all, put them all in high school. There That'd was be- that, that pitch. I don't know if you ever saw this. The pitch of Gotham High. Which was so yes. good. It was, it was animated. Yeah. And it was from the point of view of Harley. Um, no, yeah. it wasn't animated. No, no, no. Someone had cut together a bunch of uh, clips from younger, of, of the movie actors in their younger days. Yeah, so like they pulled scenes from 10 Things Ahead About You for mm-hmm. the Joker. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Joker and Nightwing. Or sorry, not uh, Rob. Or, you know, oh, right, Robin. yeah, because Rob, yeah, of course, yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, Man, that, that's such a good short. Let's just give Gotham High as a property to Lord and Miller. Yeah. And have I'm... them do a Clone High style animated, but with DC characters. Yes, 100% yes. I'm on board. And, I, and hire us as writers, obviously. I, I don't see... I, I do see why people don't want that. But I mean, we want that. <laughs> we want that. No one else is demanding it but us. Yes. Uh, okay, but with, with our pats, Robert Pattinson... Mm-hmm. The very important question becomes, of course, what will his portmanteau name be? Yes, you you have asked me this before, and I, I have just kind of the the boring generic one. I have, I have Robert Battenson. Yes, uh, it's easy. It is but easy. You, you said you have a couple, and I'm very I curious have, what yours are. <clears throat> yes, I have four. Okay, Jesus. So spent a lot more time thinking about this. Than I've I have. spent a lot of time thinking about this because obviously. Batfleck, hit or miss, the existence of the word Batfleck brings me joy. Same. Because I, I, I will probably still call him Batfleck. I will continue to because I love portmanteaus. Mm-hmm. I love them so much. And for those of you who haven't figured out what that means, it's when you take two words and combine them into one, a la Ben Affleck, Batman, Batfleck. I was going to say Benifer. Or Benifer. It's a classic one. Mm-hmm. Uh, like the classic ones no longer exist, which is uh, kind of ironic. But okay, so we do have Robert Battenson, mm-hmm. AKR Bats. And also, so. I'm going to list the four options. Cameron and I are each going to give our votes for what it should be. Yes. Uh, and then I'm going to put a poll up on Twitter. We'll keep it up for a week. Mm-hmm. And then when we come back for next week's episode, we will, based off of responses, whatever gets the most votes, that'll now be our official new portmanteau for Robert Pattinson as Batman. Great. We will have to refer to him as such every time he's mentioned. Every single time. Every single time. Uh, we will... I mean, we'll, our Bats is also really nice. That, that's short and simple. Well, yeah. So the four options are Robert Pattinson, a.k.a. our Bats. Mm-hmm. Uh, number two is Patman. Mm. Number three is Batlight. Batlight? Like Twilight. Okay. Uh, and the last option is Patty Batty 2x4 ain't Ben Affleck anymore. Ooh. That's, <laughs> I feel like that's not even a, a challenge anymore. <laughs> Say that one more time. Patty Batty 2x4. Batty, Patty Batty. Patty Batty 2x4. Ain't Ben Affleck anymore. Ain't Ben Affleck anymore. Mm-hmm. It's going to take a while. <laughs> but All of our conversations about this will be so long. Yes. Uh, but that's my personal that, vote. That has my vote. Mm-hmm. Maybe when we're, we're talking fast, we can say our bats. Or we can just abbreviate it to Patty Batty. Yeah, I do. I can do Patty Batty. Yeah. But, I mean, the whole thing has such a powerful... It does, right? Patty Batty 254. Ain't Ben Affleck ain't anymore. Ain't Ben Affleck anymore. Mm-hmm. That's really good. Thank you. Yeah, I thought of that in the shower, and I was very proud of myself. Yes. So, but head to Twitter, cast your vote. Yes. For which option's the best. Whatever gets the most votes will be our official new portmanteau. Perfect. Okay, I think that does it for news. Uh, Let's now get into our topic at hand. 
Return of the Joker. Yes. Batman Beyond Return of the Joker. Now, Cameron, I was very proud of you because you posted to our Instagram story today one of the <laughs> teaser trailers for this movie. Mm-hmm. That was a terrible teaser trailer. It, it was the early ni- It was the late 90s, man. Yeah. Um, you know, things were different. This is, this is uh, I feel like this trailer must have come out after Matrix. Oh, it does have that feel. It, yeah. Yeah, it definitely does have that feel. Because it's very generic. Like, there's no footage. It's just a voiceover talking, and as he's like sends a, a, says a full sentence, the first letter of that sentence like flies off and starts to form the word Batman. Batman. It's so bad. It's a stretch. It's a stretch that they actually are able to put that whole thing mm-hmm. together. <laughs> I feel like because this is what I'm going to talk about a lot in this episode is um they didn't they couldn't put in clips uh, because they were they'd played this trailer on Kids WB. Mm-hmm. Or, or whatever platform was. No, it was, it was on Kiss FPB. Um, they couldn't play the nicer clips and then end the commercial break and go back to the ugly... To the really terrible the animation. The ugly animation, yeah. I mean, you're not entirely wrong, because that was one of the things I really noticed about this episode, is the animation is so crisp mm-hmm. in this. It's really, really good. Well, it's back to, like, new Batman style. Yeah. Like, everything is so smooth mm-hmm. and, you know, fluid. And, and I, I mentioned this in my notes. Uh, they went way over the top with their smears. Um, you know, when you, you do like a, like a fast hand movement instead oh, of okay, doing, yeah. you know, you do one, you know, one hand normal, one hand super stretched out between the two frames and the third hand normal. Mm-hmm. Um, they did that with every, everything they could smear, they did. Putting yeah. down a coffee cup was smeared. Terry picking up his backpack was smeared. Uh, like them jumping into a car... And every little action had a smear to it, and I fucking loved it. It felt very fluid. Yeah. And you know, the action sequences in this are also really, really good. The fight choreography. Yeah. Um, like, there's that great, it's weird to call it this, but we're going to call it a shot in the opening fight against the Jokers, where there's like a, a, a 360 pan around him mm-hmm. as he's kind of fighting each of them off one by one. Again, talking about pulling stuff from the Matrix. Yeah. But, I mean, if that's what they were going for, it worked. It's a really, really gorgeous shot Mm -hmm. and the the choreography i felt like a lot of times in the animated series would just feel a little bit wooden and stilted and just a little bit forced Mm -hmm. and maybe it kind of has to be because of budget because of budget yeah and i think also just in terms of restriction like at the end of the day they're still playing this on a kid's network this is a directed dvd movie they can push things a little bit further yeah someone got shot Two people got shot. Well, so there's kind of a whole thing about... There's blood. There's the, blood Well, there is movie. a blood. Well, yeah. And I mean, same thing we got with Phantasm, right? Where like they push that violence a little bit further and mm-hmm. it just feels much more Batman-esque when you do that. But because um, this movie was in development right after Columbine, obviously everyone was a little bit more sensitive at the time, especially all of the production companies. The sensors mm-hmm. were a little bit stronger. So there's actually two versions of this. Okay. I'm assuming you watched it on the DC Universe app. I did. So did I. I did confirm after the fact that version is the unedited, uncut version, Mm -hmm. which is the same one that was put out on DVD years later. But there's a few changes throughout it, but basically a lot of it's just toning down the violence. And one of the things they did is they don't have either the sequences where someone gets shot with the bang gun. Okay. Which is, I think, really disappointing because I think it's a really effective way of killing someone. And also, it's a great setup for the reveal later. Mm-hmm. Yeah, how do they do the the shooting Joker part then? Uh, instead, apparently, Joker throws like a, a Joker gas gun to JJ and says, "All right, you gas Batman, and make him like us." Oh, and 
I think JJ kind of refuses, and I think he blasts it at the Joker, who then like stumbles back and like stumbles through a door, mm-hmm. and I think it's elect maybe electrocuted on some like a loose wire or something like that. Okay. It apparently their version is like a very Disney esque sort of thing. It's like alluded to but not really seen. Do you know about the um the the tragedy of of four kids? What? Uh, the number four. Uh, it is the company that translated uh, anime from Japanese to English for kids' television. Okay. And for a lot of that, there's a couple instances that fans still to, to this day love to make fun of. Two of the, uh, the, the most infamous one is in Pokemon, um, Brock made um, like a rice balls. Yeah. But uh, the censors were afraid that young kids wouldn't know what a rice ball was, so they dubbed over him saying, Donuts. It says, look at these donuts. Jesus. So people love to make that joke. But the other the other one that I love so much is there's an episode of Yu-Gi-Oh! Mm-hmm. where someone pulls a gun out on one of the kids. Uh, and instead of... And, and it's they can't like edit the footage. like They can't add new scenes yeah. in or anything. And so instead what they did was uh, turned it into a finger gun. <laughs> it just made a giant... like It was like two fingers yeah. pointed at the guy and then the thumb up for the, the wick. And it's so funny. So it's two guys just burst into a door and point two finger guns at this one kid. Like, you're coming with us, Kaiba. He's really intimidated by those finger guns. <clears throat> he, he jumps out the window. Yeah. <laughs> like, no joke, that's, that's his move. He jumps out the window. <laughs> like, to get, like, he's so scared of them yeah. that he won't even go with them. He runs away. Yeah. My God. Yeah, four kids is... is infamous for their, their uh, what is that called the, the the curse of the four kids or the uh, it, just look up uh, like four kids uh, what, what would i call it um four kids uh translations oh okay i mean I that's, guess. transformation that's, that's so fantastic yeah, yeah i mean there, lo- there's a handful of them too like, oh i'm sure there's a lot no i mean i, I think we're really lucky with return of the joker that the unedited version exists mm-hmm. because the fact that the violence is toned up a little bit more here um, makes it shocking at times. Like that first scene where the the Joker, what is it, Bonk or whatever, mm-hmm. gets shot, you're not expecting that. Yeah. I mean, because that is on par with some of the violence that happens in Phantasm. It's obviously way past what you get in Beatons, who get past. Well, I was going to say, the that's Batman the first Avengers. time we've seen Joker kill someone, I think. Um, I th- is that, I think that's the first time we've seen him kill someone on camera on screen. Yeah. yeah. Because he kills Sal Valestra in mass of the phantasm, but that happens off screen and right. it's just his like Joker grin rictus face is left and the room explodes. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, you're right. That's actually the first time he kills someone on screen. Mm-hmm. Which yeah, helped- so that was a big deal. Yeah. Well, it also helps establish his menace. Here and I, one of the things I loved is that the Joker's in this too, actually have something to do. They have personality. They're distinct. Yes. I think they all have great designs. That's what I was saying. Yeah, I was just saying at the top is like, every, like this is a, this is a great example of like how to design good characters. Yeah, they all yeah have motivation. They're all they all have something to do. They mm-hmm. all look unique. They all fight differently. Yeah, they all handle Batman in their own way. They have personality. Yeah. Too. Like, I love Dee Dee. 
Yes. I think Dee Dee is so much and fun. And also knowing that they're both uh, Harley's grandkids. Yes, is, is exactly. The granddaughters. And of course, they're both voiced by Melissa Joan Hart. Yes, great. Always Jada our hearts. Mm-hmm. Uh, did you catch who voices? I wrote uh, them all down because I knew you were going to ask me this. Okay. Yeah. Ah, she learns. <laughs> I did. Uh, cool. Yeah, Ro- Ro- Rosenbaum. Yeah. Our boy doing a horrible uh, Christopher Walken impression. I love it. I, I lo- couldn't stand it. I loved it so I much. I couldn't stand it. I'm glad he was in the shadows for 95% of this movie. Hey, but if he's in the shadows, he can still talk. He can, but I don't have to hear it. <laughs> I I love the weird Christopher Walken impression. Mm-hmm. I think it fits the character really well. Oh, it it's does. Just, it's just it's it's a it's a weird choice that I think actually lands really well. Really well. Plus, it just feels like such a Rosenbaum thing to do. Because um, there's another character I, I looked this up and I can't remember where that character appears, but he did an impersonation of Kevin Spacey for another character. Oh, good which I just think is absolutely fantastic. Mm-hmm. Uh, not in this movie, and uh, just another part of the DCAU. Okay. But no, I really like those Jokers. They have actually something to do. Um, I like that they brought splicing back in, too, mm-hmm. with, um, with, with Woof. Yeah, like, because that, that makes sense to me. Like, because that technology still exists in that world. It's just super restricted. Right. I mean, we even brought it up last week. Is like, they haven't, they didn't have a good... Uh, like B or C list villain, they can just bring back whenever they want because they just yeah. forgot about splicing. Yeah, they just forgot about splicing, and they more or less just kind of forgot about the Jokers too. Yeah, and I would say the episodes that feature them prominently are always kind of a little bit flat. But the episodes that have them just like tossed in are usually done pretty well. Yeah, when they're just like a, a little nod here and there, when like you just bump into a gang of Joker somewhere, usually that works. And it feels it feels right for the world. Yeah, but what I love too is that they brought those characters back in because it gives credence to why Terry is a little bit dismissive of the Joker's return initially. Cause for him, he sees the Joker as this guy like, Oh, you know, he was just this clown, right? He would um, like leave whoopee cushions for people and stuff like that because that persona has been diminished over time by the Jokers. Mm-hmm. The Jokers are rarely actually really threatening. Yeah. Um, and, and again, part of that just comes down to the toned down violence of the cartoon. Um, you know, here they're, kind of a threat at least a little bit they're not complete fuck-ups mm-hmm. or if they are it's because they have personality they're not just stupid right yeah it's like and also they bring it up a few times they're out of their element for a lot of this yeah uh like as bonk says multiple times like let's just go back to fencing money yeah because you know they're out of arkham or whatever the prison now is yeah so clearly they're pretty good at it if, if batman hasn't caught them yet yeah um like you get the impression that these are like a semi-capable group of jokers. Yeah. But yeah, they're used to just being kind of petty crooks. Mm-hmm. And here they're actually And, we, and we'll know in, in JLU that they're very good crooks. Yeah, because this exact gang comes back uh, in the once in future time, mm-hmm. I want to say. I'm so excited to get those episodes. I, I, I love those episodes because those have like, talk about super high stakes. Mm-hmm. My God. Um, no, but I, I love too that in that opening sequence, Batman's messing with them. Like, he's still got the upper hand, obviously, because he's way better trained. But even when he, like, uh, mag boots onto the forklift that's spinning around, he's not even moving and just, like, staring them down. He's fucking with them. And I love that because, again, that is setting up the climax. Like, his solution to Joker at the end is teased in that opening sequence. We do see he's a bit more playful with his villains than Bruce ever was. I I think it's just brilliant, really efficient writing, just right there up the top. Mm Mm-hmm. This whole movie is incredibly efficient. Yeah, it's... To the point where they cut out a major character. <laughs> I know, there's no Max. There's no Max in the story. There's no Max, yeah. So, cause I, um, so this was in production between seasons two and three, 
was when they started working on it. Kind of like um, Phantasm, where the show was getting traction. It's like, okay, let's go ahead and do a movie. Yeah. And I think it got kind of put in the back burner for a while so they could really pick it up again. But yeah, I, I am disappointed they didn't have her in there somewhere because outside of Max, this does a pretty damn good job of addressing, if not necessarily conveniently tying up every thread we've been seeing th- so far throughout Batman. Mm-hmm. Like it plays into the idea of sh- why does Terry want to do this? Should he keep doing this or not? Why does Bruce let him do it? What role does Barbara play? Like what's his relationship like with Dana, with his family? Um, you know, even like Chelsea, Chelsea and Blade are just yeah. kind of there a little bit too. We get splicing back in, we get the Jokers back in. Um, there's a lot happening here. It would have been but nice. But where are the T's? But where are those red T's? Where T's? are the red T's? The group of criminals that everyone's been demanding, we see. I have been demanding. <laughs> they have a fan in you. Yes. And potentially nobody else. Mm-hmm. Um, but, I mean, there are, there are a lot of similarities between this and Phantasm, even. Like, they do the same red herring trick here. Yeah. With, uh, with what's his name? Something Price. Jordan Price. Mm-hmm. Um, who, but they even give him the same hair. Yeah, they get the same hair. The thing bothering me of like, yeah, it's him. It's he has the same fucking hair. Yeah, it's the same hair, same voice, same builds. He has a motive. Mm-hmm. He's upset that Bruce Wayne's coming back in. Oh, I mean, that's another thing too. It acknowledges that Bruce is taking a major role at Wayne Enterprises again. I think in this movie, it's even referred to as Wayne Enterprises. I think the, it power, is, yeah. the powers part is gone. He's like completely cut out the powers bit, and he's taken charge of it. Mm-hmm. And then yeah, of course you have to have like the Weasley villain. But I love it. It's, it's Even like, Ace, Ace has a full-on redemption story in this. I, my God, I love Ace so much. They give him so much to do in this. I, I would, I could have used like one more thirty-second scene, um, where like we see him at front, up, up, up top, where he charges into battle immediately, doesn't think twice about it. Mm-hmm. And then I would have liked one where like someone just comes to the door, like Barbara just comes to the door or something, and he's too scared to even move. Yeah. Um, and so then like, you know, it means more, I don't, we don't need a fucking redemption arc for a dog, but we got one. Uh, so then it means more when he's like, Ace, like you're with me tonight. Like, yeah. we're gonna, we're gonna fix some wrongs. But I, I love that scene though, where he's moping on the couch. Oh, you can still keep that. Yeah. Just like, you know, while he's doing that, have someone walk in, he's not used to seeing mm-hmm. and he like, you know, hides or whimpers or does something, you know, uncharacteristic of a guard dog. Yeah. I love, I love Ace so much. I love that he, I love that he gets his moment. Um, he gets two moments. Yeah, I mean, he gets three. He, his, his story is basically told in like three pieces. Well, I mean, I was saying like his moment being, you know, he takes out Wolf, he saves, you know, he stops Joker for a minute. Oh, that's true. Okay, yeah. I was also including, I guess like four then, because I was including even the part where he goes after Joker in the cave. Oh, okay. Yeah. So hard to watch. It's so hard to hear. Mm-hmm. Every time Ace whimpers. Oh, Frank Walker, always so good. Um, like, so I, I try to break up my notes in terms of like good and bad, trying to be a little more efficient. It didn't okay. work because it's basically all good. Yeah. It's pretty much all really good. But yeah, so you know, we we do see the introduction of the that team of jokers and they're stealing like high-tech communication parts, which is way outside their wheelhouse. And they 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 mess it up because rather than keep holding on to the piece of equipment with their forklifts, they keep flying off to go do their own thing. It's like Bonk goes off to try and chase down Batman because he's got an ego. Dee Dee goes off to save her sister. Mm-hmm. Um, and it also comes into like, they don't know the plan. Yeah, no that's one true. They're out the of the loop. Yeah, and, and that's what makes um, Bonk so angry. It's like, if you told us why we were stealing this shit, 
we'd be more efficient in stealing it. Yeah. Because, you know, even, um, what, what's the, the, um, the one in pink? Um, uh, Chucko. Chucko, yeah. Chucko is like, you know, as the thing is going down, he's like, oh, you know, I'll just grab the hard drive because I think that's what he's after. Yeah, this will be helpful, right? Yeah. And it's not. It's not. Because that, that first scene where they come back to their hideout and the reintroduction of the Joker, it's so good. I didn't remember him coming in so early. I forgot yeah. the, the question is wasn't, is it Joker? Is it's, right. it's who is Joker? Yeah. Who's actually behind it? Because it can't be him because everyone's like, well, he's gone. He's dead. Mm-hmm. Um, so did you remember the twist? I thought it was. I forgot about the, the thing in the back of the neck. I yeah. thought it was like multiple personality disorder. Oh, okay. Which it kind of is. It kind of it's is. It's just like a scientific version. Yeah, but so you never thought that Jordan Price was actually no, the Joker. No, I, I remembered that you remember that. it, yeah. Yeah, because, uh, again, Mark Hamill, so good. Yeah. And we, we've talked a bit about this, how some of the villains in the cartoon were a little bit underwhelming. Um, obviously, we love Blight, Shriek, Spellbinder. Ink. Ink. Ink's great. And I think they had good performances and all those, but Mark Hamill's The Joker is a show-stopping performance, yes. especially when he's written to let that performance come through. And obviously this was written by Paul Dini, who knows how to write for The Joker. I mean, he was basically The Joker writer mm-hmm. all the way through the show. And it it just, he is so good at bouncing and back and forth between that like kind of comical charm and that full-on menace. Um, you know, just having even just when he walks in, like we just first see like the, the red eyes, which doesn't really make any sense. No, but it's very menacing. It's a very effective visual. Yeah. Um, and having him pull out the, the gun, having the bang flag come out, and everyone's like, oh, ha, it's a joke. And then it actually fires and kills Bonk. Mm-hmm. It's so intense and it's so perfect and it's so Joker. Yeah. I'm just very excited about this. No, you should be. It's very good. <laughs> I, I was trying to think like if they did... Um, you'd have to see the eyes. I was thinking, like, if they did just the smile and the darkness, it wouldn't look the same. No, you need to have the eyes there, too. Yeah. But, you know, they... Because the Joker kind of has three What reveals. if you just saw the hat? Just, <laughs> just the wide-brim hat? Yes, it's the famous wide-brim hat. Actually, I mean, along those lines, what do you think of the design of the Joker in this? Because it's much more minimalistic than we've seen in the past. Oh, I love it. You love it? Yeah, I it, it like, it... It makes sense for being a kind of a future Joker. Yeah, it's just like the just a sleek bodysuit. Yeah, the black, little bit of hint of purple, kind of like Nehru bodysuit. The slicked back hair mm-hmm. too. Um, and what's interesting is this: his face is kind of the precursor to the version we'll see in Justice League and Justice League Unlimited, where it looks more like the original Betos Joker, but with a slightly angular touch to it. Because mm-hmm. I, I think. We, pretty much across the board, everyone seems to agree that the new Batman adventure version just doesn't really carry the character quite as well. It doesn't emote as well. Mm-hmm. So I was glad to see the big expressive eyes come back here. Cause I think that's really important to his character. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. But I really love that look actually. Cause he, he does, he seems more intimidating and more like a physical threat when he's dressed like that way too. Even the, the touchdown to having the black nail polish, just that like little bit of contrast there. Well, it's, it's also like, so of the times it is because the, the other big of the times moment is um when they're watching when uh bruce and terry are watching the news and they're talking you know the, they're talking about um price being upset yeah him coming back 
And Bruce is like, oh, well, if he can't get on board, then he can email oh, his yeah. resume to someone else. And I'm like, huh, I wonder what invention just caught on <laughs> when this movie came out. Yeah. Like, so much emphasis on that word. Yeah, I think, I, at least, I feel like... I give, I, my feeling is, like, Kevin Conroy had never heard of email before. Mm-hmm. And so, they're like, yeah, it's just like, you know, electric mail. Yeah. He's like, what? It's an email. Oh, how like, fancy. Yeah, if, you, if that's the only way you can remember it, then yeah, put emphasis on it if yeah. you have to. I do love that at least in this, uh, data isn't carried around on disks all the time. Because mm-hmm. every time they do that, it just feels so dated and yeah. so of the time. I mean, that, that's, it's a really hard thing to do. And I wish someone had started this a couple years ago. But I was, while I was watching this, I was thinking, like, I would love if you would get a collective of artists, engineers... Um, and, uh, you know, people of, of different industries, fashion, yeah. uh, architecture, art and design and engineering. And every year you get the same group and have them draw what they think 20 years from now is going to look like, mm-hmm. um, and just see how close and we how get. far, yeah. And how much of like present day influences everything else. That would be an interesting idea. Mm-hmm. Cause I feel like a lot of what people view the future as now is based off of Apple. Yeah. And that's kind of how, how it's always been. It's very sleek. Look it's at very Star Trek. Bright. Yeah. Um, Cause then there was, um, what was the, the Netflix movie with Jonah Hill and Emma Stone? Uh, was that Maniac? Yes. Did you ever, watch, it was a series. Did you ever watch that? No. I mean, I love Kerry Fukunaga as a director, but I hate Jonah Hill, so I wouldn't watch it. Okay. One of the things about that series, which really blew me away, was it was a, it was a vision of the future where Apple never existed. So everything oh, is still that's based right. in the look of like 80s, 90s, um, like Windows tech, like Windows yeah. and Linux tech. It's really, really cool. No, that, that is a cool idea, and I've always felt like if they were to do a live-action Batman movie, it'd be really interesting to see how they approach the future tech. Mm-hmm. And I feel like one of the ways to handle that is that the really, really like crazy, crazy advanced stuff is kind of held out for the elite, and that everyone else has... The hand-me-downs. Kind of hand-me-downs of what looks a little bit more like contemporary stuff. So like, for me, the classic example would be, and we see that a bit in the show already, you know, Bruce Wayne's driving around in a hover car, mm-hmm. as is um, uh, Powers, and like all these really high-end people, and everyone else is driving around in some of those wheels. Yeah. And so I would love to see that extended, like, that further along, right? So the, the elite are operating off of, like, holograms and sort of technology that, like, now still seems pretty unfeasible to get there, but we'll probably get there eventually. And then everyone else is still using like more kind of g- generic tech. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Like, you know, maybe more normal people are still using more or less something resembling an iPhone kind of, but everyone else has like real crazy shit. Have I, have I pitched you my, my hologram idea? No, I don't think so. <laughs> it, it'd be, I think it'd be a very simple way to handle this. Um, but I think holograms should first be instituted in retail uh, in a sense, hear me out. Okay. When you're walking through an area and you're trying to find uh, an employee, you have them wear, you, you put uh, mirrors all across the ceiling. Yeah. You have the employee wear a backpack, which shoots a beam of light up, um, d- straight up. So they, they, I guess they can't ever like bend forward or back. We'll work out that later. Um, but in that beam of light, you can create a hologram of like a, um, almost like a Sims diamond above their head. So you always know where an employee is when you're shopping. So you're talking like AR, basically, augmented reality. 
Well, y- yes. Well, AR is is usually you. It's it's you know through a screen adding something on. Yeah. So in mm-hmm. your case, you're using the mirror. Yeah. As a way to do that. Mm-hmm. So it's like yeah, basically like the mirror creates a a visual extension of that same space, mm-hmm. and so you can use that same sort of like lens trickery. Yeah. I like it. Yeah. That could be pretty. It's not a hard thing to do, I feel like. No, probably not. You have to figure out the whole backpack situation, you know, what, having them. What poor employee has to walk around Zay with a hologram projector strapped to their back? Yeah. Oh, yay, minimum wage. <laughs> yay. Um, but no, so, like, we get that first introduction to the Joker, and then we kind of get a second one, which is when they go to the, the sort of, like, the gala event where Bruce is officially taking over running the company, mm-hmm. and they crash the party. And I love that version too because initially it just seems like it's the jokers are back um but when he comes through the floor well, you hear the laugh first yes oh that's it yeah that's exactly it. the laugh starts echoing around and bruce clocks it immediately and then eventually he comes to the floor and he's got the big grin and the look of shock on bruce's face like it just it, just beat for beat it's such an incredible reveal of him being back there and just just the the shock and like the no this cannot be possible my my thing was oh i you know, I had the knowledge of something bad was going to happen. I, I didn't remember what was happening, but I knew something bad was going to happen because mm-hmm. I set it up in the previous scene. Yeah. Um, if I lived in Gotham, whenever anyone would turn the lights off for an event, I feel like I would freak out a little bit. Would people even still go to events at this point? No. It's like all these major companies insist on still having like soirees. Giant, also, open air soirees. Exactly. It's always on balconies. Balcony. Yeah. yeah. And these buildings are like, I wouldn't ever build a goddamn balcony in Gotham again. Like that is the realistic version of what Gotham looks like really far into the future is that there are no open spaces anymore. Yeah. Like everything is very like claustrophobic and protected because just everyone everywhere is trying to kill you. Well, all that's the how time. it is in, um, in the, uh, in the game Arkham in the Arkham games. You remember when you're going through Gotham and there's that whole area, it's under, you know, there's the street and then you go down below and it's all kind of like glass, glassed in. Oh, is, is it like an underground mall? Yeah. Yeah. That's what I'm thinking of. Yeah. But um, like we have those here too. You get like underground, like shopping centers and stuff like that in our major yeah. cities. Like there's one in um like downtown right by city hall. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah. I've never gone down there, but there's like a food court. There's a lot in Japan. Oh, yeah, I'm sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, that's kind of what you do. Every, you... Yeah, every subway station is like a full-on mall. Oh, my God, that's fucking crazy. It's so cool. Can't wait to go back, can you? Oh, I can't. I mean, I'm sitting in my kimono and my Disney shirt. Yeah, I know. I'm in the uh, the the happy you brought yes. back for me. From... <laughs> it is so, so comfortable. Isn't it? I know. This is all I'm going to wear now. Yeah. Um, don't worry, folks. I'm still wearing pants for Cameron's benefit. Yes. Um, it is my apartment. It is, it is your apartment, after all. It might be a little bit extreme on my part. Uh, oh, and yeah, so now we know that the Joker's back, and then uh, Bruce is like, you're done. Like, yeah, you've you're done, out of here. Yeah, you've, like, you've done the name Batman a service. You have honored your father. You know, you have come to, you have achieved what you set out to do when we first met, but you need to step away. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, this is too much for you now. Yeah, and I, I just really love how that conversation plays out because Bruce does, he, he's still being sincere. Like, he's obviously holding back the truth about the Joker and not wanting to let Terry understand the, the true horror that he is and the real threat that he poses. But he's sincere about being positive to Harry, or to Harry, to Terry, mm-hmm. and trying to save him. And then, you know, even Terry's response back of like, well, this is why I'm here. This is why I do this. Like, it's not just about honoring my dad. I'm trying to become a better person. I'm trying to make up for, like, my sins of the past. Well, he says he needs the bat to do that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. 
which you know at the end jumping jumping to the end mm-hmm. it's you have the flip of like the bat doesn't make the man the man makes the bat yeah mm-hmm. and i mean it's it's a really nice story i think it thematically works really well and again it's been hinted at all the way through this show and it does you get a sense of closure out of terry's arc through this movie we get to see him do one good date I know, he has yeah. One good date with Dana, and she gets kidnapped halfway through. Like I, I love that we do get a, it's an abbreviated sequence. We get a, a brief sequence where we see Terry's life go back to normal. Like he's at his mom's house mm-hmm. in the morning eating cereal, and Matt's like, "Who the hell is this guy? What are you doing here?" Playing yeah. it all up, he goes on an actual date with with Dana. Now, w- would you? want to see that section expanded a little bit? Like, would you want him to actually gotten a chance to like be happy with his old life back or did it work for you to be kind of brief the way it was? Um, no. Cause, cause I, I feel like if they continue that sequence, it would show him getting bored. Oh, okay. Uh, cause I think that's just the natural progression is like, he spends his whole life doing this one thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, almost, you know, cause we, we got the sequence in Spider-Man in Spider-Man two. That's true. Um, you know, Peter's so happy, but then he sees someone in trouble and he's like, I can't do anything about it. Yeah. And I think that would, I think Terry would still try and do something. Yeah. Um, well, cause he, he does like when the jokers attack the club, he still goes into hero mode immediately. Oh yeah. Well, yeah it's he, probably self-preservation, but it's just his mm-hmm. nature. Yeah. I just felt like, you know, if someone, if like the jokers, no, I guess that's still part of his character though. Cause even before he was the bat in the first episode, the jokers are messing with someone and he steps in to he intervene. steps in and saves them. Yeah. But I, I do see your point. Cause it, he he stops being Batman for a seemingly unjust reason, mm-hmm. and he's, he's still driven to come back to it pretty quickly. Yeah, and I guess they'd drawn it out. It might be like, oh, did he come back just because he was bored or some of those other reasons? But like his intentions are coming back are still noble because it was so brief. Yeah, because like yeah, I mean the only thing we didn't see was like his school performance. Yeah, and if they wanted to, they could have shoehorned in like him sitting at a desk and getting like an A on a test. Yeah. Uh, and the teacher, like, it's nice to have you back, McGinnis. Um, I know, can see why that would just get cut out. Yeah, it's, I mean, that's, that's really 30 d- seconds of stuff you don't really need. It doesn't really add anything yeah. to it. We're not super invested in Terry's performance as a high school student, are we? Mm-hmm. But yeah, but I, I do love that, though, because he gets that brief moment of getting his life back, and then he's attacked as Terry in the club. And um, Chucko even says, I don't know why the boss has us coming after you, but we are. Guess what? Now this is happening. Yeah. Um, and as good as that is, it's setting up the, I think for me, the better sequence is when the Joker attacks in the Batcave, mm-hmm. which is really, really oh, intense. That, that one scene where Terry makes it back in and you just, it's the silhouette of Terry with the ha ha ha's yeah. all across the Batcave. That's a one, that's a posterized moment. Like you, you can, oh my God. Like yeah. you can make a wallpaper out of that, but also that is terrifying. No, it, it really is. Cause you know, if you're watching this fresh, you don't know yet that the Joker knows who Batman is. Mm-hmm. He, he makes a comment to Bruce at the, the party. He's like, oh, no one knows me better than you. Yeah. But it's not outright stated. And, you know, this is the first time really... And we, all, we also know Joker's gone after Bruce like three times. Yeah, and just, just for being Bruce. Yeah, and, and just BTOS and new, new Batman. Yeah. So for him to kind of jump in there and attack him in the cave, like, again, have like the laugh, Ace getting taken out, and then, um, you know, exactly he said when Terry shows up and that that moment of like the ha ha spread out across the ground i forgot this let's look at the trivia but you know even the same line he says like oh god please don't like don't let it be or please god no same thing he says when he goes and 
to his dad's place mm-hmm. in the premiere. Oh, I didn't realize that. Yeah, so it's wow. like a, it's a direct pull from that moment of like him experiencing this exact same trauma again. Mm-hmm. Um, and yet when he finds Bruce and he's got the face, like we've never seen Batman actually yeah, succumb the smile. to the gas before, and it's mm-hmm. horrifying. Haunting, yeah. yeah, and even in that moment, he still has enough control for himself to be like, oh, under the table is the the antidote. Mm-hmm. But damn, like that that is a just a gut punch moment right there. Just oh, yeah. completely shocking and uh, just pushing things so far in just the most fantastic way possible. And then when he's um, laughing like that and freaking out, it reminded me a lot too of Phantasm when um, Arthur is gassed mm-hmm. and like trying to speak through the laughter. And it's their version there's the of that Joker gas, that Joker attack is so well done in this universe. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So then Bruce is kind of taken out. And so finally he's able to get the truth from Barbara about what happened. Mm-hmm. And then so we get this whole extended flashback sequence. Gorgeous flashback sequence. And it's this, so nice to be back in this world. It, it is. And you, you kind of forget, you forgot how much you missed it. And you go back there. And this also feels kind of like a nice closure point to a lot of that original show too. Like it addressed the fact that at that point Nightwing had gone off to go to his own thing. Mm-hmm. So it's just Tim and Barbara and Bruce left together. And Robin is out on his own patrol as is pretty typical, but it gets kidnapped. Yeah. For three weeks. For three weeks. That's the yeah. part that I forgot is how long he was away for. Yeah. He's gone for a long time. And as you know, Barbara's you know, old Barbara is now narrating this, like the, that sequence you get the sense of like the horror they would have been feeling at that time. Mm-hmm. Like even the way Batman is interrogating people, like it's a bit escalated beyond his normal. Yeah, he just level. beats people. Just beating the shit out of people. He's like crashing through windows. Um, you know, just being super, super intimidating. Barbara's scouring the city, talking to everybody. Um, I did like the little nod there that the two girls she's talking to are her same two informants from the ultimate thrill. Oh, I didn't realize that. Yeah, because one of them is designed to look like Black Canary, and those same two girls had appeared in that episode, and they were the ones who tipped off that Roxy was working for the Penguin. Mm-hmm. So it's kind of a fun little nod. Um, but no, it's like it's a pretty intense sequence, and then you know the ultimate realization is that they're out at Arkham, and then even then, like Bruce just or Batman just smashes through the gates of Arkham with the Batmobile, and at that point, it's been closed down; it's partially under demolition. So you take this really eerie place and you've upped the stakes and you've made it just seem that much freakier. And just from an atmospheric perspective, it's so good. The design is so good. All I could think about during the sequence was um, someone had to bring in all that equipment into Arkham. All the like giant play blocks and toys and everything. Oh, the Joker. Oh, yeah. Someone had like, yeah, someone had had to do that. Yeah. He probably had a couple of goons, which he then probably just. Probably murdered. Murdered and threw down a shaft mm-hmm. at some point. But yeah, he builds this whole little like house for them inside of I, Arkham. I love the like the 60s, like I love Lucy vibe they're trying to throw. Yeah, because it, it works really well because it, it has that look of being so wholesome. But then also that, especially in a modern sense, you get that subtext of like something being off and creepy going on underneath. Mm-hmm. Or just even the fact when they show up to Arkham and they can hear... Harley singing Hush Little Baby. Yeah. Which obviously as a huge fan of Hush, I love. I love that that's in there. Mm-hmm. Um, so I was thinking at this point, because I, I, I had remembered that Tim, that Tim Drake was, was Joker at this point. Yeah. I was, because we saw him before with his wife. I was kind of hoping that his wife was also not real. 
back oh, in the present day. Oh, okay. Like he had hallucinated <clears throat> further. Yeah, or or she was just like a like a mannequin, like going all the way back to Joker's wife in uh, Phantasm. Oh, okay, yeah, yeah. Like his um, his psychosis had extended beyond the transformation. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like he like he's losing control of it. Yeah, and like starting to see things that aren't really there. Yeah, yeah, because like he gets so fucked up mm-hmm. in the past. Like it, it's interesting because. This is outside of Under the Red Hood, kind of the closest we've seen yet to that story being told. Mm-hmm. Like this is the DCAU's version of that story. Yeah. Where instead of it being Jason Todd and instead of him getting killed by the Joker, he's That's still one of my favorite sequences from Red Hood. Oh the which you yeah. prefer. Forehand, backhand, backhand. Left hand, right. Yeah, it's it's really it's really messed up. And I would argue that what happens here is more fucked up. Oh yeah, the the laugh, the Tim Drake laugh is haunting. Yeah, it's really really creepy because the the Joker basically just puts him through so much electroshock therapy therapy. He electrocutes him so much that it basically just starts to like unravel his brain, mm-hmm. and then he brainwashes him into being a little mini Joker with yeah. those like creepy like schoolboy shorts and the the freaky ass grin and stuff. And JJ, because you know as bad as it is like when he's when that character is killed in other iterations in the comics or in uh, under the red hood mm-hmm. like this is actually a lot darker and it's kind of an act of genius on their part because it would have been i think hard for them to actually really kill robin but they basically found a way to be less kind of blatantly violent and actually be that much darker mm-hmm. and it's genius. yeah i mean this is you talk about, you know, Joker's end goal is always to get Batman to kill him, mm-hmm. like to break his one rule. Yeah. And you can kill everyone around Batman and, you know, that'll set him off a little bit. But to turn someone, you know, to, to fully, you know, I mean, you can't really harbor back to all you need, all you need is one bad day. Yeah. You know, all you need is three weeks. Three, and some three, le- three bad weeks. Three bad weeks and some electroshock therapy. Uh, but still, like this, this is the ultimate sin you could commit for Batman. Yeah, is taking, you know, the one light he has in Gotham left is is the future. Yeah, and just completely corrupting it, knowing that even if you kill me now, I'm still here. Mm-hmm. Like that's terrifying. Yeah, because his whole his goal is basically to try and leave Gotham in a better place than where it started for him. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so that's a very good point to take kind of the the most obvious physical manifestation of that and then corrupt it yeah in its own way and what's so great is you see how far that pushes batman um you know and so basically batman goes chasing off after the joker again and like just really beautifully animated this whole sequence like there's one point it's a small moment but joker like runs up a staircase and batman chases after him and the way that the like the the light is at the top of that staircase and the shadow is just cast like mm-hmm. this would have been i imagine pretty tricky to animate oh yeah all this yeah, stuff absolutely. and you get the sense they really put in their effort on it just to give it that sort of atmosphere but then you know uh batgirl goes after harley harley which ultimately results in her falling presumably to her death now mm-hmm. we know that's not true because in the end we we see that dd uh, those two girls are her granddaughters. So the the speculation there is that uh, there was a, a serum at one point that Poison Ivy gave Harley when they were hanging out that she made a comment like, oh, like this will make you be like stronger, healthier or whatever. Mm-hmm. So the idea is that maybe that gave her like just enough superpower 
that she survived that fall. Mm-hmm. I mean, maybe what if um, the lazy movers of Arkham just threw all the mattresses down there? <laughs> or she just landed on the pile of them? Yeah. <laughs> pile of and, their dead bodies. And Joker... Um, Joker knows about Joker obviously knows about this. Yeah. And so anytime he's throwing a henchman over, uh, like they think they're going to die on the impact, but Mm. then they land on these mattresses, which is a great joke in itself. And there has to be something down there to like finish the blow. Yeah. Like there's a mine or something. (laughs) Hey, we made it. Wall blows up. Yeah. Kills them all. I feel like that'd be a a very Joker thing to do. All all the mines and bombs and booby traps down there have been taken out by by the rest of the henchmen, so yeah. Harley's now fine. <laughs> she can just safely <laughs> fall down there and not get taken out by the uh, the bonus surprise one. Yes. <laughs> but yeah, so she she falls down there, and then um, you know we we see she survives, but then Batman chases the Joker into uh, like a projection booth, and the Joker starts showing the stuff he was doing to Robin. So mm-hmm. we show the electrocution. Very, all in, stuff. very in time with um, killing joke. Yeah. Hey, fucking DC. This is how you take inspiration. Yeah. Well, no, that, I think that's exactly it. It's like, I think this shows how you can take it as like a storyline and kind of like Marvel does it, take the, the root DNA, but adapt it to the story you, you want to tell and change mm-hmm. it up a little bit, make it dynamic. Um, Cause mm-hmm. it's, it's so, it's so dark. This is the best parts of, you know, killing joke and, uh, death in the family yeah just kind of all put into one and even fucking um dark knight returns yeah because it's future batman future joker exactly yeah and so there's that really horrifying sequence when uh the joker starts to reveal how much he knows and he's you know he reveals that he knows that it's bruce Brucey. wayne and his response is so good or it's like it's kind of like you know when you finally get the punchline of a joke it's really not that funny it's actually really just sad you know, it's so sad. I almost don't want to laugh. What the hell? I'll do it anyway. And he just yeah. goes unhinged. And you can just imagine Mark Hamill, Mark Hamill having so much fun. Well, even even just doing that. The way he describes Bruce mm-hmm. is uh, behind all that stern and batarangs. You're just a little boy playing suit uh, in a play suit, crying for mommy and daddy. And it's like, <sighs> damn. It's. I mean, he it, fucking hit him. Yeah. It's like knife goes in, <clears throat> twisting it. It's like yeah. every every like subsequent moment in this whole flashback gets darker and weirder and more messed up as you go along. Um, and, you know, it, it also feeds into this sort of like background tension in the whole series as to why Bruce is letting this happen in the first place. Because, you know, this would clearly set him on a path of like really not wanting any sidekicks at all. Oh, yeah. Going forward, and um, yeah, I love the simplicity of their version in the the pilot, where he has to pull a gun on someone. I think that says a lot about that character. But I think adding this in just further establishes really how broken Bruce would have been by this whole thing. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, well, and then and, to have you know Tim hold a gun to him. Yeah, where Bruce's whole thing is like no guns ever. Yeah, like he tries to kill the Joker. Batman basically is, I think, at that point close to doing it, but even then, he still won't do it. And Joker knows that too. Yeah. And even so they, then, he's like, "If you had, if you had the courage to kill me, you would have done it years ago." Yeah. And he still won't do it. Yeah. So he throws the the gun to Tim, and then exactly to have Tim point the gun at Bruce, and then turn it mm-hmm. and fire it right in Joker's heart. Right into his heart. And again, it's <clears throat> it's such it's such a great death of a character and. You know, Barbara. Even that's not funny. Oh yeah, that's right. He gets that final line. Mm-hmm. 
Uh, and you know, and Barbara even acknowledges it that in in some ways the Joker still won. Yeah, because you know she said like you know uh, compromise and deception like you know her the original Commissioner Gordon her father had to help them basically cover it all up. Yeah, um, and you can see that even for Bruce that would be such an extreme measure, right? That he, despite living in the shadows as Batman in a lot of ways, he lives with transparency. Like he, he doesn't hide what he does. He's very kind of direct about it in his own way. He would never cover up a murder, but in this case he basically had to for the sake of Tim to protect Mm -hmm. him. He had to compromise. And it's, it's again, it's all kind of, I think in some ways more powerful than having just him kill somebody. Mm -hmm. It's him having to protect someone else. And it shows that he does have a heart in his own weird crusty fucked up curmudgeonly well, we always, way we always know we've always known he has a heart but it's not even just like you know having to cover it up for tim potentially losing tim yeah but also this is you know we joke about around with terry like terry doesn't give a fuck about gotham citizens because he just lets all his villains die yeah like <laughs> so true yeah like this is is it the first batman villain that stayed dead in in Toss and new bat I guess he thinks Freeze is gone, but he comes back in New Bat in uh, Batman Beyond. Yeah, I don't think no other villains die, right? Even in the New Batman Adventures. Mm-hmm. Yeah, this is the only one that sticks. Yeah, and so that must be hard for him. Like this is the first villain that's gone. Yeah, one it's it's the big one too, and mm-hmm. the fact that he's buried out of Arkham also I think is very poetic. Oh yeah. Um, and when I was looking up trivia, there's a note too that uh, in the episode Joyride. When the Jokers steal yeah, the ship, and they yeah, go out there. Yeah. There's that. There's the bones, mm-hmm. and you know, you kind of think like, oh, that's probably just like another Joker they took out there, and like it's all fake. It's real, but it's real. It's actually the Joker. Yeah, which is Dang. extra fucked up mm-hmm. and awesome. Um, but yeah, so we like you come out of that sequence, out of that flashback, and you now get like just the whole scope of just how bad it was. I think now Terry, for the first time, also really recognizes how high the stakes are mm-hmm. and how, how crazy this man is. Yeah. How truly crazy it is and what the danger he poses and why for Bruce, this is so serious and so messed up. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And so th- at that point it's him basically just trying to stop it. So first he thinks it's price, but then we learn that price just, well, for, he first goes to Tim. Oh, that's true. Uh, yeah. And Tim seems Okay. Yeah, he's like, oh, yeah, like I left that whole thing a long time ago. I'm fine. Mm-hmm. You're right. And then he goes to Price thinking, okay, well, it's got to be him. But uh, And we know Price was in on it. Yeah, because he hired the Jokers to, what kind like he, they he helped them steal the yeah. machine uh, during Bruce's inauguration. Exactly. So the Jokers basically went to him to get help. And they're like, oh, in exchange for giving us access, we'll, we'll try and kill Bruce. Yeah. Um, and then that's also when we get the reveal of like the big the sky laser. What, what do you think about the sky laser? Um, it's, it's like, I feel like it's, it's a future, take like a generic future weapon. A little bit. Um, it's the only thing that ended up on my bad list. Okay. It works. I think it's kind of meh. The thing that I didn't understand was after, uh, it blows up the candy factory. Uh, it just floats off into space. Yeah. It doesn't make a lot of sense. Yeah. <laughs> it was yeah. like, that's government property. Yeah, it, it, they would still have some sort of control over it. Like yeah. it, it would actually still be in stationary orbit. Just wouldn't just oh, we're floating off. Okay, mm-hmm. bye. Yeah, I thought that was very funny. It's like yeah, it's like well we have to 
explain why this isn't around anymore. Yeah. This massive doomsday weapons. Well, let's just have it float away. Yeah. I but, like, but it also makes sense. Like it does knowing, uh, Tim Drake's job, you know, he, he would, he would think about that. Yeah. He is a communications expert. He knows mm-hmm. how to do these things. So like it fits. It's sci-fi still. It's futuristic. That fits in the world. It just, I'm not going to call it a lazy thing. It's just something we've seen done a lot before. I mean, it's been done like two and a half times in James Bond alone. What would, what would you have it have been? I don't know if I have a better answer though. I mean, I think the, um, the end goal of, of him is to draw the giant smiley face. Yeah. I think that is very Joker. I think it, it has that payoff at the end. Mm-hmm. And I think when it's stuck and heading towards the building, it's slowly like closing in on them. I think it's pretty effective mm-hmm. and it, they do utilize it well during like the, the car chase sequence. I was going to, I was too. just about to, just about to bring that up. I think it would have been awesome if, um, that was when he drew the smile. It's oh, like, okay. a, uh, you know, he can be like, I know Batman. I know Robin. I was the best of them. I know every move you're going to make before you make it. Yeah. You need proof. You know, here's my plan. Here's what I made you do. You know, you drew the smile for me. Would that have been a little silly? Would that have pulled you out of the finale just a little bit? He's like, look, I already made a smile. No, I don't think so. Because I think you, you could give him a good line with that. I know, because what I like about the way they do that, they show like, oh, I'm going to shoot what it's like. It's Wayne Manor. It's uh, the hospital where Dana is recuperating after getting a type of the Jokers. Mm-hmm. It's the home of Mary McGinnis. And like he's, it's what I liked about it is with the Joker, it seems chaotic, but then there's a plan built into it. I kind of yeah. like that. Then he finishes off with a smile. I mean, like even then at the end, he still finds a way to make it like weird and cute, mm-hmm. kind of. Yeah, and like that. That's why I like the like the the trope. Yeah, because it, it that is very that is very Joker. Yeah, I think the payoff works mm-hmm. here in the end. It just to me that was like eh, laser blast thing. But yeah, so they use the laser on Price's yacht, and as we know, he's not the real bad guy. He's not actually the Joker. Also, was there no one else on that yacht? No. I guess not. I don't know how that's supposed to work. Legally, no. Yeah. But then, you know, what I also like about how this all plays out is that without Bruce, he now has to be the detective. Terry has to be the detective. So it's it's him putting the piece together. First thinking it's Tim, then thinking it's Price. Um, and then when it's, you know, they still haven't figured it out. Feeling very disheveled because he's not a detective. No. and We, he, we had that conversation a few episodes ago. Yeah. And he gets to be the t- bit of a detective here. Like mm-hmm. when he's back in the Batcave and Bruce is recovered and they're trying to figure out, well, then who is it? And he looks over and notices that it's only the Robin costume that's been attacked so thoroughly. He's like, look, I know you won't admit it. It clearly has to be Tim Drake. I'm going after him. Um, oh, yeah, I forgot. There's that whole sequence of him like kind of getting trapped inside of like Tim's lab and getting shot at. Mm-hmm. It's like that part's kind of generic, whatever. Yeah. But the chase that happens afterwards is really, really good. Yeah. First with this, like the thing just like rapid firing into the city and then it's like honing in, just being the continuous beam trying to track him down. Um, and I forget, why does it, why does it stop? Because Joker can only hold oh, form for so long. That's right. And he had to turn it off before he turned back into Tim. That's right. Yeah. And he turns back into Tim. Um, and then so Terry heads off to the the abandoned candy factory. And I also really love the the second sequence of him fighting the Joker's gang. Like right up at the top with Chucko firing the missile at the Batwing and then him just taking out the smokestack underneath him. Yeah. 
And then he's just like, like I'm not here to fuck around. Like, I'm here to fight this Yeah, guy. he's here to take, like, actually, he means business. And he's able to, like, you know, take everyone down super quickly. And then I love it, too, because he gets the Batman punch in. Hmm? So Ghoul is sneaking up on him. He just does, like, without oh, looking, the, just the behind the back. Yeah. Just smack to the face punch. Ghoul, he, he does nothing in this movie. But I love him anyway. I love his design so much. Yeah. No, I love him. And then I think one of the best moments there, too, then, of course, is uh, when he sends Ace to go take out Woof. Yeah, that's so, good. So I, lo- I love whenever they're friends. It just makes me so happy. <laughs> um, but no, from there, then we see the, the actual the proper transformation. We realize what happened with the Joker implanting the technology in, uh, like, really advanced. Did he say where he got it from in the movie? No. I think later on in JLU, they acknowledge that it's Cadmus tech that he stole. Oh, okay. Because um, that was that was one of the things that I didn't really enjoy, mm-hmm. is I think I would have liked it more if it was just stuck in his memory. It was just so implanted in his subconscious that he didn't know he was doing that. But you had to have a way to actually stop Joker yeah. without ruining Tim. And you had to find a way to make an old Tim Drake look like the Joker, which they don't ever explain how that works. The actual body transformation doesn't really make sense. Mm-hmm. Um, it's like, it's a little bit weird, but again, it's sci-fi stuff. And I think that moment when he transforms from old Tim into the Joker is also like really creepy and unsettling. Oh yeah. Yeah. And again, it makes, I just, I just wanted to see him slick his hair back. I guess he didn't do that. No, he he, he just just comes out perfectly slicked hair. Yeah. Even if it's just like, as he's standing up, just do like the, (sighs) yeah. And so, because you were talking about how... I mimed putting my hands through my hair. I realize no one can hear my... I'm wearing <laughs> no one a hat. can hear so that on this, hear this audio medium. Back. Yeah. Um, but you, you know, you're talking about how this adapts a number of different comics arcs. You got like Death in the Family, um, got a little bit of Dark Knight Returns. Apparently that idea of like Robin kind of being the Joker comes from the, the Dark Knight Strikes Again, which is the sequel to the Dark Knight Returns. I've never read it. Because I've heard it's not particularly good. I've also heard that. Because yeah. now, now it's a trilogy. And yeah, exactly. Like the, the, also the Master Race. Mm-hmm. I think Frank Miller's is off the deep end at this point. But in that comic, I guess Dick Grayson willingly submitted himself to genetic engineering from Lex Luthor, and it turned him into a shapeshifter. Mm-hmm. And so he kind of goes crazy, too, and shapeshifts into the Joker, and that's how that plays out in that comic. I don't know. I think this is a much cleaner version of that. Oh, absolutely. Um, um, but yeah, and then it all comes down to just like the, the final fight between the two of them and even the Joker's, I, I, he just got that great line. It's like, well, but it's a whooping you're a wanton. And he rolls his sleeves up like, all right, I'll get dirty. I'll do this fight. Um, I'm trying to think. Yeah. That, that last fight. Cause then it's, it's the, uh, like, you know, the battle of wits. Yeah. Um, Tara, you know, in the, in the flashback we saw Joker knew exactly how to push all of Batman's buttons. Mm-hmm. But now Terry knows how to push all of Joker's buttons to kind of not just get him in close, but, you know, really put him off his guard. Yeah, it's it's a fun reversal, too, mm-hmm. that Terry never took the Joker seriously until he really understood that story. And in turn, the Joker just knows that he's an in, like a, an imposter, like a fake, bat fake, as he keeps calling him, mm-hmm. but doesn't actually take him seriously. Yeah. And it, basically that pride sort of becomes his downfall. Um. Yeah, and, and I love the the idea of just like, yeah, you can't make Batman laugh because Batman just doesn't laugh. Doesn't have a sense of humor. Yeah. It's like you're trying way too hard with this. Yeah. But that's that's such a genius thing to just start 
laughing at the Joker because mm-hmm. he is he is someone who has a huge ego. Oh yeah, and Batman never he would kind of exploit it little ways here and there, but this really gets straight to his core. Of just yeah. Terry just like running through the shadows, laughing at him, and he's getting madder, madder, and angrier, and more psychotic, and more desperate, to the point when he finally is able to incapacitate Terry, he takes off the mask, and he's just going to strangle him to death. Yeah. Like, a really brutal, personal, in-your-face way to kill somebody. Some would say the most unfunny way to kill someone. Yeah, pretty much, yeah. (laughs) It's a very unfunny way to die. Um, But yeah, for then, to Terry to take him out using the Joker's own hand buzzer, too. It's just Mm -hmm. like, oh my god, it's Thematically, it all ties together so well. It's, uh, it's I really, good. I really, I really like it. I know it's good. It's very, <laughs> very good. I wish I had more to say about this, but it's just good. I know. I, I'm sorry, Cameron. It's mostly been you just listening to me talk about how much I love this thing you just watched. No, that's good. I feel like it's it's a pretty good reversal of how it normally is. Oh, that's true. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm the excited one for once. Yeah, it's like Aladdin all over again. Uh, but you know, even I did, I did watch animated Aladdin. That's, that's for another time. That's another, that's for another time. Yes. Yeah. Um, but yeah, then, you know, once Terry's able to like destroy the, the circuitry that allows the Joker's personality to reemerge, um, you know, he's talking with Tim in the, in the hospital and he even runs into Bruce and it shows that Bruce has a heart. He still does go to see Tim mm-hmm. and to look after him. And they have that great exchange in the hallway where, you know, Bruce tells him, you know, again, like you said earlier, it's not. The not bat Batman. Make the man. The man makes the bat. Yeah, it's not Batman making you a better person. It's the other way around, and it's just it's it's a really again it it ties up really well why they do all these things, um, why Terry does it, why Bruce does it, why it all matters so much, and it's ah oh, it's just it's so so good. So I have a question for you. Yes, because we just watched the finale of well the sort of finale of. Batman Beyond. None of us were particularly pleased with it. Do you think this does work well as a finale to the whole show? Oh, that's that's a good question. Um, I would I would say yes, mm-hmm. minus not having Max. Okay. Um, I think it ties up a lot of of things. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's it's a good like open ended finale. Yeah, I mean, because do you feel like it, it works as a finale to both like this and? Like BTOS, New Batman Adventures. Are there things that you would want to see included to better kind of tie off, let's say, all three of those shows? Like all I the Batman want shows? Uh, the final scene to be the end of the theme song from the first Batman, where it's Terry on the rooftop and then the lightning strike behind him. I mean, they they kind of do that. Like, but I want exact. <laughs> I, I get what you're saying. Yeah. I like the version they did, where it's like the technoized version of the Batman, the BTOS theme is thrown in there. Mm hmm. Wait, is that even? It's not even the Beatles theme. It's like the I think it's the Phantasm theme. It might be. I I didn't pay enough attention I to think, that. Uh, yeah, they yeah they they bring back the Phantasm theme, but they do it kind of in the style of Batman Beyond. I'm pretty sure I'm right about this, but I also suspect Maddie is going to message us and say that I'm <laughs> wrong. So, uh, yeah, I I oh, think. Oh, go ahead. So I was going to say my my question for you is seeing this version of Future Joker, which do you prefer, this one or Dark Knight Returns Future Joker? Because I think they're both very well done. I think I think they are both really well done. I, th- I think the, ju- like the, the method they have to use to bring the Joker back 
in this case, like the weird genetic manipulation body transformation is a little bit extreme. Mm -hmm. Um, I think only because we have seen kind of elements of that technology already exist that kind of plays. (gasps) What if it was Clayface all along? No, (laughs) we've done that already. (laughs) Yeah, I think it works here. But I also love the way they do in the Dark Knight Returns as well, where he just like without Batman, he really had no purpose anymore and just kind of went catatonic. Mm -hmm. I think those are both great justifications for why he would disappear and also why he would return. So which one do you prefer? I think I'm more emotionally invested in this version. Okay. Um, I like the Dark Knight Returns. I don't love it. I don't think it's the end-all, be-all, seminal piece on Batman. I love the movies. The movies are really good, Mm -hmm. yeah. But I I think, for me, maybe because I saw this when I was a kid or whatever, but this is the version I prefer. Okay. So. I, I mean, there, there's something so Joker about him running through the carnival and just shooting everybody. Yeah. That I feel like that is... I, I mean, I love that, too. It's, it's it, That's... I think this is darker on a more sophisticated level. Yeah, I agree with that. So yeah, they, they had a tighter box to work in. Yeah. Yeah, they, they were... They, again, they were restrained, and in being restrained, they had to be creative. Mm-hmm. That's what I like about it. So. Yeah. Yeah, I think this is fantastic. For me, it's, it's the second best right behind Phantasm. I think I will always love Phantasm just a little bit more. I think it's just a little bit more. Phantasm for me is perfect. Mm-hmm. There's nothing that seems ridiculous, out of place, a little over the top on that. Those elements that are here for me, I'm willing to forgive because the rest of it's so good. Yeah. I don't know, but what about for you? Where does it Where does it fall? Oh, it, I mean, it's... It, of, of all of the animated films... Let's just start with the DCAU animated films. Oh, it, it's number two, for sure. Okay. Yeah. Okay, so then expanding beyond that, of all of the animated films, where would it fall for Ooh. you? I mean, I think I, pre- I, I prefer Red Hood still. Mm-hmm. I think... Ooh, I would still put Doom above... It's, it's, it's definitely like top five, top six. Okay. Mm-hmm. It's very wait, good. Wait, is Doom above Phantasm for you? I think, I mean, I mean, Red Hood is number one for me. Red Hood okay. is easily number one. Okay. I think Doom, I think Doom might be number two. I think it's, I, I, if I had to just make a, make a list on the spot, mm-hmm. it'd be um, Red Hood one, Doom two, probably Phantasm three, uh, Infinite Crisis for Sound Resonant. I love that movie so much. Yeah. Way more than I should. It's good. It's very good. Um, uh, probably this at five, and then um, Superman vs. the Elites might be number six. Okay. I've I still never seen all that one. I couldn't get into it. I, I, it's understandable. I need to go back and rewatch it, I think, at some point. Mm-hmm. Um, all right. Any more thoughts on this, or should we should we mosey along to our, our follow up segments? Here? Uh, I think that's everything I want to talk about. Okay. So we actually have quite a bit of notes from friends this week. Okay. Uh, we're gonna start off with a not a Cameron's course correction. <gasps> Is there a Chris course correction? There's a Chris course correction. Mm-hmm. So when I was writing up the copy, Chris comments on comments. Copy. <laughs> yes. Yes. Exactly. Chris comments on comments. Um, when I was writing up our copy for our episode last week i referred to the episode with zeta as a second backdoor pilot i was corrected by not only maddie who pointed out that 
Zeta was already like halfway through its run when that episode aired, and it was technically a crossover, mm-hmm. not a backdoor pilot. So I was also corrected by the voice of Zeta himself, Diedrich Bader. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Look at us. Yes. Who uh, followed up with Maddie's tweet with a response, basically saying like, yes, that's correct. <laughs> and calling me out on my shit. To which I said that I was uh, humbly, doubly proven wrong by that whole thing. So, uh, yeah, I mean, if I'm going to be proven wrong, one, as always, I'm glad it's by Maddie because he actually knows his things and we don't. Uh, but two, I'm very honored that Dietrich Bader... Took time out of his day. That's hilarious. Do agree with Maddie and prove that we were wrong. So there you go. That was Chris's comments on comments. Chris's comments on comments. <laughs> I love it. Uh, we have a few other things too. Um, so uh, Brian Day, who he and I messaged back and forth a little bit about all kinds of stuff. Uh, he was asking if we were going to be doing an episode on this exact thing. And I said, we were. And uh, he was saying that for him, he actually does prefer it to Phantasm. Okay. Which, I mean, I think it's a fair point. So his his whole point is basically that, um, like, as a Batman movie, maybe Phantasm is better. But what he likes about uh, Return of the Joker is that it actually kind of interweaves the plot threads a little bit better. Like, as he puts it, um, you know, expanding the whole DCAU, Return of the Joker is better, going back to the new Batman adventures for the flashbacks um, and what the Joker has done and kind of incorporating the events that we see throughout the rest of the show, whereas Phantasm kind of exists and then is never really referenced again, mm-hmm. except for briefly an epilogue, whereas this feels integral to the canon, I think, in a way that maybe Phantasm does it. Yeah, I, I, I agree with that a lot. No, I, I absolutely agree with that, yeah. that I, I think this is feels more like a, a really critical part of the DCAU canon. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it's a very solid point. Uh, yeah, so that, and then of course we, um, did have a, a message from our, our favorite Ashley Clark. Yes. Who, as she points out, is now basically like tying for Maddie in terms of just mentions every episode. And my response to that is, of course, because you guys are like our favorite people. Yeah. And actually always send us in lovely, lovely things. I saw she agreed with my Jasmine point of view. <sighs> yes. I mm-hmm. think we have to save that for a whole other conversation. Mm-hmm. I, I'm like, I'm torn now. Cause like every person I've talked to basically disagrees with you on Jasmine Except for Ashley, and I, I very much value I, I her will opinion. Say, I, so I'll, I'll have a very brief point about this. I did rewatch the entirety of Aladdin because for the longest time I've only been watching the the, the Jasmine sections. Yeah, uh, they do not handle her as well as I had remembered. Thank you. But she is not a secondary. She is not a prize to be won, Chris. She is not a prize to be won. She is also not a secondary advisor that is true to I, I the put, sultan yes i i had incepted that thought into my own head yes i, th- I think you have given the original too much credit for well, how to for that's, how that's they my treat job her is, is yes. to do that but, uh, but yeah I, ashley's point was basically that the new movie was a lot of tell not show i yes. don't disagree with that like mm-hmm. her whole moment is a song about having a voice and then she speaks her mind exactly. and like proves, two songs two songs yes. about having a voice well, it's one song, it's one song with reprises um, but yeah, it's, no, it's a part one, part two. If you look at the album, fine, it's not a reprise. Mm. Isn't there also a reprise listed in there? There's a couple. I mean, uh, but for speech, for speech, speechless, no speech, speech, speechless, speechless. No, I'm pretty sure it's speechless part one, speechless part two. Okay, fine. Because uh, Prince Ali has a reprise. Oh, for fuck's sake! Um, what have I done? And uh, one jump ahead has a reprise. Okay, fine. In that regards, you were right and I was wrong. It is a multi-part song, not a song with reprisals. Yes. And yes, Ashley, you're right. I think it is more telling than showing. Um, but I still think she's handled a little bit better in the new version. Mm-hmm. Um, 
And then she was also saying that she's really excited for Return of the Joker because obviously it's amazing. Uh, but she also points out that this is kind of also one of the the cornerstones of Bruce Timm's weird Batgirl Bruce shipping. Yeah. Because uh, like that would have be going on at the time this flashback happened. There would be an item. Mm-hmm. Um, and she basically said that all the good Bat Cat stuff that Paul Dini was working on got pushed towards the Hush comics, which is true. And that stuff is done really well in Hush. So Very well, yeah. at least we got a nice resolution to that at some point. Um, and yet there's still more. There's still we more. Still have more. Yes. But uh, wait, there's more. There is more. So been chatting a little bit on Twitter with uh, the DCAU and just kind of all the associated um, Twitter handles around that. Oh, sorry, the DCAU review mm-hmm. and everyone. So watch our database, Maddie. Um, world's finest and DCAU review is about ready to do a month of Superman. So they asked us as a collective group of people who know a lot about that universe. Uh, what is a really bad Superman episode? All of them. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, you want me to specifically say, uh, yeah, the specific one. So, Oh God, our, our, uh, here, I'll, I'll help a little bit. Our consensus was unity, which is the one from season three where Supergirls goes, goes back to Smallville and everyone in town is taken over by, Oh, Farmer Brown. It's not actually Farmer Brown. Oh, right, because that's the Batman But it looks a lot like Farmer Brown, but they're all taken over by that weird alien cult thing. That was the episode they chose in the consensus, but can you recall any other specific ones you thought were, like, like, exceptionally bad? I mean, Bobo is pretty bad. No, I reject that. Monkey Fun is a great episode. It's really, really fun and gives us a softer side of Lois we never get a chance to see. Uh, the Damn one, it. the the one where it's the space monster who's never brought up again. The Promethean. Yeah, that was also on the list mm-hmm. of episodes that's thrown out. That one's pretty bad. Yeah. Um, I've I've blocked out a lot of them. I, I said um, Warrior Queen, which is the one with is it Maxima, when she shows up and she just wants to marry Superman because he's super hunky. Yeah. She uh, wants that super dick. Yeah. Well, I mean, who doesn't? Yeah. Yeah, but those are those are some pretty bad episodes. So, uh, and then we have still one more. My personal favorite piece of notes from friends this week. No offense to everyone else. I draw you all. But this is from my cousin, Nico. Okay. Who does write in on occasion. And uh, so he, this was uh, subject line, sparkle quiz results. <laughs> the good old sparkle quiz. He got sparkled? No, he did the sparkle quiz. Okay. So he says, uh, hi, Chris and Cameron. After a faltering attempt to complete the James Bond sparkle quiz, he ended up with a uh, 17 out of 24. So just a little bit behind you. Uh, he says, I can now say that I have learned three very important lessons. The first, I am not nearly as familiar with the Bond universe as I thought I was. The second, my self-preservation skills could use some work. I probably should have inflated my score a bit considering my audience. <laughs> the third, the hunt for October and a good day to die hard are not Bond films. <laughs> uh, in my defense, Red October has a Bond actor in the form of Sean Connery. Uh, he has no defense though for die hard. Uh, and he says, I can't blame you if you stop reading this point. I refuse. Mm-hmm. Uh, but if you haven't, thank you for not immediately disowning me. Uh, those two points are not mutually exclusive. So if you're still reading and I have been disowned, I don't blame you. Uh, I don't have a good way to end this. So if Cameron could just play me off the stage talking about some anime, that would be great. Oh, my God. So there was a, there was a one piece <laughs> thing that happened this week. It was a, it was a uh, ramen commercial. It's, it's a 30 second ramen commercial. And, you know, one piece has had 900 episodes at this point. In the 30 seconds, they shoehorned in. I think 120 characters uh, just hidden in the background of different shots. And it's, it's a beautiful sequence. If anyone watches any one piece, I recommend watching this 30 second commercial. Uh, there you go. You're, you're welcome. I'm impressed by how concise that was. <laughs> I was about to make a bit and cut you off midway through, but I feel like I do that a lot. You do. And I want you to feel like you are valued and have a voice on this podcast. I do. I do. 
So I know, I know, this is not a an anime podcast, and I I don't have a the reason it comes out in such fury here is that's one of the few things that I don't like. I can't talk to anyone else in about. LA. But yeah, Shane, Shane knows a bit about anime. Well, not not current stuff. Like he doesn't watch the seasonal yeah. stuff. And I have my friends back home, but you know, we we can't always talk. We're always everyone's busy doing something else. I know. And you know, I have like nerd stuff I can talk with you about. I have gaming stuff I can talk with other people about. Uh, anime is just kind of like the one realm that I don't have anyone in LA at the moment. I know. And I, I deny you your chance to talk about it all the time. That's okay. It just comes out in more fury the next time then. <laughs> and me constantly cutting you off. <laughs> uh, but no, Nico, thank you, of course, for sending that in. Uh, one, just very honored that you listened to us, and two, that you wrote in to share that. And yeah. uh, I think 17 out of 24 is pretty good. If yeah. you're like, you know, because I, I had you helping me for most of them. Yeah, I had to give you I a lot. Probably of clues. only got like, I probably only got like seven without you. Somewhere around there, I don't remember exactly, but still, those are those are both pretty good results for for non uh, Bond nerds, as it were. Um, okay, so now we should head into our, our final sequence here, Cameron. What are your bat plugs for this week? Oh my gosh, um, that's a great question. I so you don't have any. Uh, I, I have been watching uh, The Man in High Castle. Oh, yeah. Um, it's okay. Mm-hmm. It's kind of just turned into background noise at this point because there's one character that's super interesting. At the end of season one, he's, I would say, the most interesting part of the story. Yeah. And they don't do anything with him for seven fucking episodes after that. So yeah. I'm, I'm kind of done with the show. It's also, it's, it's making a lot of weird, like blurry, blurry lines between fact and fiction. Oh yeah. Of what's going on presently. Oh, uh, because it's, it's a pretty, it's a, a not subtle allegory. Cause I watched the first season, mm-hmm. but it just never got interesting for me. Yeah. It's very, it, it, it still it, hasn't. Yeah. I mean, it, nothing basically happens over the course of the entire first season. It's just like pretty slow. And even look back at like game of Thrones, which that first season by comparison is you know quite a bit slower, mm-hmm. but big shit still happens at the end of it. Yeah, I mean, my, my comparison would be Game of Thrones had multiple questions to answer. Yeah. Some big, some small, whereas Man in High Castle kind of just has the one big question. Yeah. And they can't answer it yet. Yeah. So I, I just, yeah, I, I watched it and I was hoping it'd be great. I just couldn't get into it, unfortunately. Mm-hmm. So. Uh, so I'll plug that and I'll plug uh, the game that's been taking over my life. Oh, which, I, which, which I is have, this? I've talked to you and Shane about it. It's a game called Stardew Valley. Oh, wait, uh, what it, is it again? It's hmm? what's the name? Stardew Valley. Stardew. Okay, so I have to mm-hmm. write these things down. Yeah. It's like do D E W as in like morning dew. Mm-hmm. Yeah, okay. one word. S C A R D E W okay. space Valley. Okay. Um, it, it's in. I'm sure people have heard of it. It's a game that's been around for a while. It's in the same vein as like Harvest Moon and Animal Crossing. Um, I only have 48 hours left to play it. Okay. Because you you have set yourself a, a limit, right? Yes, I have a a horrible horrible gaming addiction problem especially with these open-end games. So if I don't give myself a hard out, a cut cold turkey, uh, then it will ruin my life. Yeah, because you, you do love these things. I do. You have, a, 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 like you said, a self-acknowledged addiction. Mm-hmm. And this game has no definitive end to it, right? It's just like it just keeps going on and on and on and on. Yeah. Ugh. Yeah, you, you, you just tend to a farm. You make friends with the townsfolk. Uh, you, you can go in the mines and kill some slimes. Some go slimes? Yeah. What are the slimes? They're just just villains, just just uh, uh, like, like cave dwellers. Are they like weird mutant monster thingies? No, no, just just there's little, people. Just, there's people that live in caves. No, no, actual slimes. The, so just just like little balls of slime. So you you would go you go and cut them up. What do you go with like 
A sword. A broom and dustpan and just like sweep up the slime? Your sword. No, you why kill do you need, Why do you need a... Wait, so are they sentient? Yes. They attack you. It's their home. You're stealing their ore. Oh, okay. So you're the colonizers. Yeah, oh, very much the, so. Exploiting yeah. their precious resources and they're just trying to defend themselves. Yeah, and very much so. Precious, unsupported way of life. Mm-hmm. Great. You know what? No. Cut that plug. I don't want to plug that game because of that game. <laughs> what I do want to plug is a video. Okay, all right. Cameron with his <laughs> his love of Stardew and colonizing cave dwellers. Yes. Uh, it's a video that I watched that I had been putting off for a while. Um, I think her name is Lindsay Elise is the YouTuber. Lindsay uh, Ellis? Lindsay Ellis, yes. Okay. Uh, our friend Jason was just showing me her video on the Beauty and the Beast remake. Okay. Uh, so she does a great video about why Hercules is the worst Disney film. I won't watch it. You watched it? I watched it. And? It's still my favorite Disney film. Okay. Did she have valid points? She has a lot of very valid points. Did it compromise your perspective on the movie to watch it? No. Okay. I will still watch the movie every day of my life. Okay. But and and you a, do. And I do. But there's a lot of very valid points. Okay. About why Hercules. It, it's called um, Hercules, Disney's Beautiful Hot Mess. Ooh. It is beautiful. Yes. Uh, she has a lot of very good... Her, her kind of thesis is... Um, the pitch of the movie is you have um, kind of a Greek god become... You know, it's, it's Superman meets Michael Jordan. Yeah. Um, and how do you make a story about that? Yeah. And it's, it's kind of... You know, she goes over the tone inconsistencies. Um, and the, the big thing is... Um, how like the way he reacts to things, the the way he reacts to the problem, which is mm-hmm. become a hero, doesn't line up with one how the Greeks perceived what a hero was, and also like, um, their version of hero is never really identified. Oh, uh, okay. Mm-hmm. Uh, I guess that makes makes yeah. sense. And she says the story of Hercules is actually told better in Emperor's New Groove than it would be in Hercules. With, oh. With Cusco starting with the power, becoming nothing, and then kind of learning what he should be doing with his power. Oh, and there's that great sequence in Emperor's New Groove where Cusco kills his own wife and family. Yeah. Yeah. It's great. (laughs) Just like in Hercules. (laughs) Okay, maybe I'll watch it. I kind of don't want to ruin Hercules for myself. I don't think it will. Okay. But it, it it just makes you more aware of what of what was happening during production. Oh, okay. Why the movie was made mm-hmm. and, and all that kind of yeah. stuff. She, she is al- really good. She also has a great one about um Hunchback, which I watched recently. Okay. I, I barely remember that movie. Mm-hmm. I just I don't know, it never did it for me. Like, yeah. Okay. Any other plugs? No, I, I'm excited for your plug. Okay, so I have, I have a few here. Uh, so two quick ones. Uh, I'm going to plug a new video coming out from Maddie. So new uh, Vanishing Point video coming out on YouTube this week. And by coincidence, he's also doing it on Return of the Joker. So his video is going to be talking about what actually happens after the Joker's death in the canon of the DCAU. Uh, so for those of you who are unfamiliar, the Maddie we're always referring to is our... Newfound friend through this podcast, Maddie Washburn, who is the keeper of the DCAU continuity. Um, he basically just knows everything that happens and is a constant resource for us when we get it right. 
and especially when we get it wrong. Uh, but his videos are great. And Super, boy, do we get it and wrong. And we get it wrong a lot. But uh, no, his videos are great. They're always really, really well produced. He's so passionate about this. Um, and I'm really excited to watch it because, you know, it is a little bit unclear based on, like, what happens in this, what happens with uh, Just League and Just League Unlimited, where all these events kind of fall and what the consequences of them are. So super excited to watch that and I recommend uh, you guys do as well. Um, and then also want to plug our friend KT, who was recently at Fanime and posted a whole bunch of really amazing photos of her in her Captain Marvel cosplay. Yeah, I saw it. Very, yeah, and very like, well done. Yeah, she just did some, like new like modifications to the gauntlets and the boosts and stuff. Looks awesome. Really, mm-hmm. really awesome. Um, yeah, so I mean, if you if you love cosplay, go check her out. She's at KT underscore Giordano, G-I-R-D-A-N-O uh, on Instagram. Go look at it. It's awesome. Uh, I've been catching up on some movies recently. Uh, so I have one not plug, which is Godzilla, King <laughs> of the Monsters, which I thought was somehow both completely unrelenting and overwhelming and also dreadfully boring and terrible. I cannot wait to watch it. It's awful. I hated it. Um, but movies that I did actually really like, uh, one is Someone Great on Netflix, mm-hmm. which is a rom-com starring Gina Rodriguez, who most people would know from, um, oh my God, Jane the Virgin. Yes. Uh, no, I was listening to an interview with the, uh, the director, Jennifer Caton Robinson, and I think I was listening to that on, maybe it was the podcast Keep It. I'm not quite sure where I listened to it, but she was just talking about kind of her philosophy and going in, making the movie and wanting to feel like a really kind of grounded, realistic look at like modern romance. And it's a really, really good rom-com. Like it's a little bit heightened, but it's really grounded, really, really funny, really heartwarming. Um, and it really hangs on the chemistry of the, the three leads, these three girls, these mm-hmm. actresses who are just really phenomenal. Um, highly recommend it. A really good watch on Netflix. Uh, I also watched Knock Down the House, which was the documentary about uh, AOC yeah. in the Senate. Uh, no, excuse me, in the House of Representatives and like a few other people who were, you know, primarily women, oftentimes women of color, who are running for Congress in 2018. And it's a really good documentary. And I've really admired AOC since she came onto the scene. And oh, this, she's amazing. This made me appreciate her that much more, just mm-hmm. really how... Um, incredible is like to give an example there's this great sequence right before she's about ready to go into uh, a debate with the incumbent representative and her like she has this whole like, kind of whole mantra about like giving herself self-worth and one of the things she says is like you deserve to take up space and i was like damn like she's fucking she's a badass man. she is like that's like one it's just it's crazy that that is a necessary mantra but it's such a valuable one too and it's a really really good documentary go set, check it out yeah and then lastly, Finally. I, I did go see Booksmart this weekend. You did. Cameron came along with me to go see it to. again. It's my third viewing. Look, I'm worried about overhyping this for people. Same, same. And I will say this, that about 20 minutes in was when it really finally clicked in for me. I was enjoying it, but I wasn't super into it. But my God, by the end of it, I was in love with this movie. Yeah. It is well, the, so the point I made good. when we were outside the theater is there's so many characters they introduce. It's it's yes. a hard to get into it in the very beginning. Yeah, because there's you know you're you're introduced to a whole high school. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah, and it's, but it's not ever like overwhelming. It's it, looking back on it's actually done quite efficiently. But there's mm-hmm. a lot of kind of like character and story to get through initially. But it's so good, so good. It's a movie that has something for everybody. Like I think from an acting and a character perspective, it's fantastic. It's heightened but pretty grounded 
Um, the writing is exceptional visually, like from a technical perspective, there's some really incredible shots in there. I, I was talking to someone who referenced the pool sequence, which if you watch the movie, I've seen it, you'll know what I'm referring to, but it's absolutely beautiful. Um, so funny, so heartwarming. Just again, it really hangs on the chemistry of the, the main cast and they're all fantastic. They're all so charming. It's so far my movie of the year. Yeah, good. And good, 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 I, good, good, good. I, I agree. I will be surprised if something could knock it off, to be perfectly honest. Um, yeah, it's it's exceptional. Well done, Olivia Wilde. Yes. I love you as an on-screen presence, but I honestly would not be offended if you only directed from this point on because you got the goods. Yeah, she nailed it. She's so, so good. Even, okay. even directing her husband. Her husband, yeah, Jason Sudeikis, who has a, has a really fantastic role in this. Um, it's, it's mostly like lesser-known actors, but there's a few kind of bigger names uh, that pop up. Lisa Kudrow and Will Forte play one of the parents. The, oh, my God. And they're so they funny. They almost knock out um, uh, the toots. Uh, Stanley Tucci as best dad. Oh my God. Easy A. Yes. Yeah. In terms of like great on-screen parents, they're way high up there. Yeah. It's, it's really good. So um, I, neither of us, I think at this point can recommend this movie enough. Mm-hmm. Um, go absolutely go see it. Totally deserving of your time and money. Okay. Are we, Are we good? Done? I think we're done. I think we're done. <laughs> yes. I think we finished. This, this bumper episode of Tim talk here. Um, but obviously always love to hear your thoughts. Always love to get a lot of notes from friends. Uh, if you have any thoughts on return of the Joker or on Aladdin, uh, please send thoughts on Aladdin. Please send thoughts on Aladdin. I I still have so much to say. Yeah. On, on book smart or what was a star do or any of the things we've been talking about. about Uh, I need it out of my life. Always love getting those messages and you can find us at Tim talk pod on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and Gmail. Uh, you can find me personally at Lordifer on Twitter and Instagram. Yes. Uh, you can find my art, which won't be updated at some point, um, <laughs> at Cameron.Dexter. Yeah. Uh, and you can find my face and my continued Japan adventures because I still have a lot of photos to post. Uh, and my future trip, and our future trip to Star Wars land. Yes. Which we haven't even talked about yet. That'll be next week's episode. Uh, two weeks episode. Two weeks, yeah. A few yeah. weeks out, yeah. But mm-hmm. you and I have reservations. A couple. A couple. We're, we're going. We will be all over Batu. Instagram yes. uh, with it, and we'll have we'll have thoughts for you when that happens. Mm-hmm. So, uh, And you can find that at Cameron.Dexter no, Cam underscore adventures. Boom, That's boom, boom. One. Yes. Uh, oh, and then one last thing. We did put out a new episode of Gate Forward, finally. You did. You did indeed. We did, yeah. We did it on Queer Eye, which has quickly become one of my favorite shows, and I can't mm-hmm. wait for it to come back. Um, but yeah, that's also up on iTunes. Uh, you'll find links in the show notes to get to it, but that's Get Forward on Instagram and YouTube and Get Forward Pod on Facebook and Twitter. Yes. So go check it out. I'm, it's, a, it's a podcast I'm also very proud of. Uh, and it's really fun. But yes, we did it. Thank you all for listening. Thank you, everybody. Talk to you later. Goodbye. Goodbye. Bye-bye now. Bye-bye now. Toodaloo. Bye-bye. <laughs>